You tuned in to the Kojo Nam, the show on WAMU 88.5. Welcome. Later in the broadcast, Kojo for Kids welcomes dancer Ashley Murphy-Wilson of the Washington Ballet. But first, we're four days into the new year, and many of us are already struggling with our resolutions for 2021. But it's not too late to get back on track, and perhaps a little psychology can help us change our habits this year. Joining us to discuss this is Dr. Yelena Ketsmanovich. Um, the director of the Arlington, D.C. Behavioral Therapy Institute. She's also an adjunct professor of psychology at Georgetown University. Yelena, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Yelena, as a therapist who regularly sees patients, what's your sense of people's New Year's resolutions this year? Well, it's been interesting to to observe that. Um, I think it's a is slightly different than previous years. Uh, we have uh, a you know a percentage of people, about third, I would say, that I observed uh, who are still setting pre-traditional resolutions. You know, exercise more, lose weight, eat better, be more on a budget. You know, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so you, it, there, there's a there's a sense of hope. Well, in in the middle of everything we're dealing with, if I can just get better in these ways, then maybe, you know, I'll feel better about myself and I'll have uh, more sense of uh, control over my life and I will feel better. Um, Then another third, I would say, are still setting up uh, resolutions, but they're a little different. There might be something along the lines of learning a new skill. I want to learn how to code, for example, or, you know, cook uh, a new kind of cuisine this year. And and some of the people who are trying to new uh, learn new skill are also thinking about, you know, uh, this pandemic and post-pandemic market and being more marketable and being able, you know, to get uh, jobs and better jobs. And then um, the, the this, you know, same group of people who are kind of setting up different resolutions um, are, are thinking definitely, as you mentioned in the introduction, you know, what have I missed so much in 2020? And the big ones, of course, more time with family, seeing family and travel. And so a lot of people are resolving to do that once we can actually do that. Uh, you know, we uh, we might have not put so much emphasis before on it because it was given and we could always do it. But now it's a sense, okay, now I haven't been able to do it. I definitely make this a priority. I'm going to spend more time with family and I'm going to travel. And about third, I've seen just say, you know what? We have enough to deal with. We're not setting any resolutions this year. Let us just, you know, get through the day, you know, and, and through this at least, you know, first part of the 2021. Did that surprise you that people are saying, no, we're, we're already dealing with enough. We don't need to be trying to make any new resolutions. Honestly, not. I, I thought mm. maybe it'd be even bigger number of people uh, because, you know, it's uh, – it's already, people are already struggling with a lot of surveys in the last six months have shown that depression is up, anxiety, anger, interpersonal conflict, and we've definitely been seeing that in our practice. And so, you know, people are seeking comfort. They need, yeah. you know, they, they need sort of a refuge from, from, you know, all the negative stuff that, that we are bombarded with, that we are dealing with every day. And so, so, you know, putting something else on your plate seems just daunting to some people. Also joining us is Dr. Netta Gould, who directs the Mindfulness Program at Johns Hopkins and is Associate Director of the Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center Anxiety Disorders Clinic. She's also an Assistant Professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Netta, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Kojo. You say you're seeing New Year's resolutions focus more on mental health and general wellness this time around. Can you talk about what you're hearing? 
Yeah, I think that uh, Dr. Ketsmanovich kind of summarized it well, but I am seeing individuals because of the increase in depression, anxiety, substance use, um, um, interpersonal discord, focus more on their mental well-being. And so whether that's to reduce anxiety or um, reduce symptoms of depression, decrease substance use, or increase um, meditation and positive practices, I have seen a more focus on those aspects. Can you tell us more about the mindfulness program you run at Johns mm -hmm. Hopkins and what exactly does mindfulness entail? Sure. So um, mindfulness is basically non-judgmental present moment awareness. So when we're mindful, we're bringing attention to internal experiences, whether it's bodily sensations and thoughts, as well as external experiences that are happening in the moment and with an element of acceptance and curiosity. And so the program I run uh, focuses partly on patients, so individuals um, who come from different um, areas, uh, referral sources, and uh, want to learn how to use mindfulness either for psychiatric or medical issues, um, because there's a lot of evidence that mindfulness can be helpful for a wide range of um, psychiatric and, and medical problems. And then I also run um, courses for faculty and staff that address stress and burnout. And um, both of those uh, components of the program are aimed at overall kind of learning this skill to apply to daily life. Dr. Katzmanovich, in 2021, we often heard from friends on social media that really our only goal for the year should be, quoting here, to survive the pandemic and to make it to 2021. But now that we've made it, how can we balance just by getting, how can we balance just getting by day to day with looking ahead and setting goals for ourselves? Yes, that's, uh, that's the very good question. And uh, I, I think, you know, f the first thing to remember is that's going to be very personal and individualized for, uh, for each of us. You know, we, we have people who have much less time than before. Mo mostly, you know, it's, it's people who are caretakers of either elderly or the children who are doing online learning. And uh, they're really, really struggling. And they, they seemingly don't have an ounce of, you know, uh, uh, time or energy to add something again to their plate. And, and actually, American Psychological Association uh, did the survey and showed that the parents of smaller, uh, like a school age and, and younger children are most stressed out. And so, you know, if you're in that position, you know, put, again, do trying to do something else, something new might be too much. However, there are also uh, a big, relatively, you know, a big number of people who have a bit more time because they are working from home. They're not having that two-hour commute or three-hour commute, you know, and getting ready and so forth. And so, so there is, you know, th there is space to to add something to it. So you have to really think about it in the context of your life. But no matter where you are, um, the, I, I would say the main recommendation. Uh, in general, and even more so this year, is to be really, really gradual and to be really realistic and to start with one thing, trying to 
change one thing at a time. You know, the biggest, um, you know, uh, mistake I, I, I will say that I see is people trying to change five things at the same time, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start walking twice a day and I'm going to start, you know, eating better, meaning like no you know, refined sugars or whatever it is. And I'm going to learn that coding and, you know, well, you know, turns out you won't do any of it. If you, if you try to, you know, pile up things, we just, we don't operate that way. Change is hard. Behavioral change is hard. So pick one thing at a time. I would say at least try to stick with it for a month until you get a, a little bit of a habit going. And then you, you will see that actually change in one um, behavior can, uh, it, it does sort of radiate. And by changing that one behavior and focusing on changing one behavior, it, you will see change in some others. And then you can kind of start the next one and so forth. And do it very, very gradually. If you, you know, have been really sedentary during the pandemic and so forth and really, you know, not feeling well physically and mentally and exhausted all the time, and you, you vow that you're going to start walking, you know, eat 10 minutes in the morning and is, is, mm. is huge for first week, you know, mm-hmm. start really small. And as I always say, you know, if you set up 10 minutes every morning and then you end up, you're already walking for 10 minutes and then you feel, oh, I feel, you know, a little better. I'm going to walk for another five minutes. That's great. If you that's overshoot right. your goal, that's great because you're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to build that sense of self-efficacy and you're going to be more likely to continue rather than setting up, you know, half an hour morning and evening kind of goal and, you know, failing during that first week getting discouraged and then, you know, doing what we uh, uh, call in psychology, psychologists are rarely funny, but sometimes, you know, they have uh, good names for things and we have this term, what the hell effect, right? You, you start, you know, after three days, I haven't done, you know, twice a day, half an hour walk. Well, what the hell? I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not good for, it, for this. Let me give up kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know that effect very well. Uh, Dr. Gould, you've said that the problem with New Year's resolutions is that they often involve major behavior changes that we expect to make overnight. Tell us more on why this is an issue and how we can make our goals, well, more attainable. Yeah, so I, I do think that's the issue is that we, we go to bed and we wake up the next morning and expect ourselves to be somebody totally different, like I'm going to not eat any sweets, or I'm going to stop smoking tomorrow. And that's just not achievable, because it is hard to change some of these longstanding patterns of behavior. So what does tend to work is to um, break goals up into something that are goals that are concrete and manageable. And we're much more likely to be able to uh, achieve them. There's an acronym that as psychologists, we often use called make your goals smart. So we make them specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time limited. So if you are, if your goal is, for example, to um, exercise more, yes, doing, as Dr. Kitsmanovich mentioned, doing the 10 minutes maybe for the month of January each each day or three times a week, but be very specific. So I'm going to exercise at this hour for this period of time um, and uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, write it down, maybe share it with a buddy and anticipate the challenges that may arise. And then finally, be compassionate to yourself and expect yourself to have slip-ups. We're going to be taking a short break, but when we come back, we'll be continuing this conversation about keeping our New Year's resolutions in 2021. I'm Kojo Nanda.
Welcome back. We're talking about New Year's resolutions for the year 2021 with Dr. Yelena Ketsmanovich, director of the Arlington D.C. Behavioral Therapy Institute and an adjunct professor of psychology at Georgetown University, and Dr. Netta Gould, who directs the mindfulness program at Johns Hopkins and is associate director of the Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center Anxiety Disorders Clinic. She's also an assistant professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Let's go immediately to the phones and talk with Coco in Washington, D.C. Coco, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year. I am loving this conversation. I'm a health and a life coach, so this is totally my jam. So thank you all so much. (laughs) I wanted to share, because this is something um, piggybacking off of habits. As a coach, this is a time where everybody, like you all said, wants to set these big goals. But what I really try to encourage my clients to do is to start with what are good habits they already have. Is it that 10 minute walk? Is it, you know, some other, your lemon water routine in the morning? Like what is an established habit you already have and how can you piggyback? So for example, if someone decides to take a a 30 minute walk near their, their house and they don't take water with them, maybe their piggybacking habit is when they come home, they have this, their favorite bottle of water that they you know, drink down as soon as they get home. So it's like this, almost this pleasure, this thing that you're looking forward to, to add on to the established habit that is already working for you. So it only, it encourages people to build and build and really feel success literally every time they do something that they just are naturally doing. Interesting idea. Thank you very much for sharing it, Coco. Happy New Year, y'all. Happy New Year. Do you care to comment on that, Yelena? Sure. Um, you know, p- piggybacking is a, is a, a very well-established uh, uh, procedure, well, you know, a, a suggestion and a strategy we use when establishing habits. And it, you know, falls under this kind of big um, group of suggestions that, you know, basically say that it, there's no such thing as having really, you know, good willpower. We, you know, we all have friends or people in the family who seem to have amazing willpower, right? Those are the people who wake up at five o'clock in the morning and they are exercising, running even in the, you know, 32 degree weather. And and you think, oh my God, I could never be like that. Personally, I could never, I think, wake up at five o'clock. You know, and and it's what research shows, interestingly, is that, yes, there are some individual differences in this, you know, uh, uh, sort of mythical willpower muscle, if you want to call it. However, what research finds is that people who seem to have highest willpower actually set up their environment in such ways that they need very little willpower. So they're just very kind of clever and mindful to in advance set up stuff in the environment, contingencies in the environment, uh, things that are going to remind them to do the right thing, you know, things that are going to make it easier for them to do the right thing, uh, things that are going to be easier for them to avoid doing the bad thing, you know, so, so kind of, you know, the, the old you know, suggestions of not buying an ice cream, just not having ice cream in the fridge and cutting your, you know, really good fruit and putting it in little batches in the refrigerator, it actually works. It makes a difference because when you feel that craving, the afternoon when we all need a little pickup, right? You go and you're going to reach for ice cream. Oh, there's no ice cream. And now it's pandemic and you don't want to go to the grocery store. I mean, you know, it's a hustle anyway, but now even bigger hustle. So you're going to go for the next best thing, which is your chopped up fruit. So you just made it really easy for yourself to do the right thing, right? So, so it's, you know, piggybacking is the same idea. You know, the, you know, doctors use the piggybacking um, uh, suggestion all the time because they'll say to remember to take your pills 
take them with your morning coffee, right? And yep. so we can just piggyback on that and say, well, you know, when you have your morning coffee and you take your pills, just prepare a little bit for the healthy lunch afterwards and put it in the fridge. So when it's, you know, the lunchtime comes and you, you're just exhausted and you just need a break, then again, you, you open the fridge and it's right there, right? So, mm. so actually, you know, be, be, um, have a foresight and think about all the possible obstacles that uh, can get in the way. And, and we know that, that, you know, envisioning good behavior and good outcomes, but also imagining, identifying obstacles and making a plan of how to overcome those obstacles is the, you know, the, the formula, the winning formula. Got it. Netta Gould, Elizabeth from D.C. asks, I once heard that counterintuitively, not sharing your resolutions or goals with others actually makes you more likely to keep them. Is this true? Yeah, so, you know, it's a good question. Is it like birthday wishes that if you share them, they don't come true? I think that more research is pointing to uh, acknowledging them and having either a buddy system or even sharing it live on Facebook that, um, or, you know, some other social media that you're more likely to be held accountable for them. I think this is one reason why groups can be helpful. For example, meditation groups and programs because you um, see that other people are engaging and you feel that you're held accountable for them. But I think to the caller's point, it's individual. Some people have that self-motivation and don't need that. But if you're feeling like you're struggling and you really do um, need that extra um, push to accomplish the goals, I think that that the buddy system or acknowledging your goals with others is an important thing to do. Here now is Reggie in Frederick, Maryland. Reggie, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah, hey, Kojo. Uh, I just wanted to, to, to bring the light. Uh, I'm listening to your, your guests, and, and a lot of this stuff is tailored towards people who have. Uh, how do they bring the conversation, swing it around to people who don't have, the people, you know, minority groups, people of color? who are maybe uh, have environmental restrictions in their area or have, you know, other restrictions in the area where they aren't able to, to purchase certain things. They aren't able to get onto the Internet. They aren't able to, to do these walks uh, because of environmental restrictions and things. Uh, 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 how, how do they tailor their conversation towards, a, towards that group? Dr. Ketsmanovich? Yes. So, you know, as I mentioned, it, it is really um, specific to each of our situations, you know, thinking where you're starting from and thinking what's, what's the smallest thing I can do in the next day, in the next week, in the next month um, that, you know, is possible, is, given my situation, what is still possible for me, really asking that question, you know, given uh, all these uh, very objective and real um, restrictions, as you said, or, or hardships, you know, is there anything that's still possible for me? And if, if, again, if that walk is just a short walk and not some, you know, fancy exercise gym or, or so forth, if it's, um, you know, if, if there's no access to, to f- fresh food, well, you know, then, you know, uh, being creative and, and, and maybe, you know, setting up a system with, um, you know, relatives if it's possible and so forth. And maybe during the pandemic, especially as Kojo mentioned, people, 
I think, are looking to be able to help others and, you know, setting yourself up uh, with, a, with a community or a, a network where, you know, the people could occasionally bring some healthy food or so forth. So, you know, just starting, starting really from where you are and what's the smallest step, you know, I, I, you, you can do in those circumstances. You know, I, um, I myself am an immigrant and, and uh, from Bosnia, I originally actually lived through Bosnian war. And so I, mm. I, re- I remember being, you know, restricted, talking about being restricted and not leaving home because, you know, there are snipers around and so forth. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard in the situation and it's very easy to become very helpless and hopeless. Uh, helpless because you feel you have no control over anything in your life. And if that's the case, then you lose hope for the future and that we call that hopelessness and that's you know leads very easily into depression research shows that so so asking yourself again what is it that i have a little control over today and you know for 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 us you know when we were in sarajevo during the war it was okay there's you know there's this window of two or three hours when usually it's calm you know i'm going to get out of the house and you know do my chores this and this and this and really make sure that you know i i get the most for the buck during those couple hours and come back right so so you know find where you are and go from there. And in about the minute we have left, Dr. Gould, Doug tweets, love your resolution segment. Nine years ago, I pursued a 30 under 30 list leading up to my 30th birthday. This year, I set succinct and meaningful goals surrounding my physical, mental, and financial health. But like many listeners, I'm taking 2021 step by step. Is that what you're finding too, Netta Gould? Absolutely. I think that breaking them down into what some people call micro resolutions and incorporating an element of flexibility and self-compassion when you're not able to meet them is precisely the way to go. Thank you so much, Dr. Nedegul and Dr. Yelena Ketsmanovich for joining us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be welcoming dancer Ashley Murphy-Wilson of the Washington Ballet on Kojo for Kids. I'm Kojo Nandi. Here comes the jackpot question in advance. What are you doing, New Year's? New Year's Eve. Thanks for listening to the Kojo Namdi Show. And if you're already a member of WAMU 88.5, thank you for your support. If not, it's easy to give online at wamu.org. Just click the donate button and thanks.